We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Heat Beat Podcast. I'm your host, Giancarlo Navas. And with me today, we have our 2K coach, Streamy co-founder, Frankie Garcia. Frankie, what's up, buddy? I'm very excited to be here tonight, G. This is as, I, I think, Frankie, behind getting Solomon Hill and Dwayne Dedman and Josh Richardson on the shows, this has been, I think, the guests I've been most excited to talk to. Uh, if you're watching on twitch.tv slash MIAHeatBeater, you're watching on our YouTube feed, you see his face. If you're listening to the pod, I welcome Coach David Thorpe of True Hoop. David, thank you so much for coming on. I don't, I don't know how to thank you. This, this is an honor for us. I don't know what I did to deserve all that, but I'm <laughs> certainly happy to talk to you about uh, some of my family members' favorite team. I have a nephew at Duke who loves the Heat. My niece down in Miami loves them. She goes to Ransom Everglades. My brother and his wife live there. My parents are from Beach High. So, yeah, and Udonis is with the Heat. Like, I've always liked the Heat. I'm, I'm happy to talk about him. Listen, there's so let's much. Go. What'd you say, Frankie? I said, let's go. I'm just excited. This yeah, is- no, this is, listen, this is, uh, this, this, is, this, is, this is huge for us. So, Coach, let's, you know, I told you a little preview. Let's get to the big ticket item, which is Miami's half-court offense. And by the way, I, I do have to remind everybody, uh, if you're watching live, I thank you and appreciate your patronage. Remember, tomorrow... We mentioned this last post-game show. Uh, tomorrow's post-game show is a special, and we're dedicating it again, second year in a row, to raising money for baskets for baby, babies, healthy mothers, healthy babies. Uh, it's a charity that we've worked with in the past, and last year you guys did so incredible to raise a ton of money. So we're going to do that again tomorrow, post-game and hangover time, following the Heat Celtic game. That's hopefully a win. Uh, so, guys, tune into that. You guys have. You know, every time we've asked you to come out for the community, whether it be for Pride Month, for Pulse, for Pride for Youth uh, and, and Basket for Babies in the past, you guys have always come super strong. So want to thank you guys for that. And we want to remind you that tomorrow, you know, we're, we're, we're doing another charity drive uh, with Dos Minutos. So, you know, make sure to check that out. So, Coach, getting, getting to the basketball stuff, Miami's half-court offense is a bit, I don't want to say, I don't want to say a disaster. I mean, they're about 14th. <laughs> You know, but it, sometimes, Coach, it looks a lot uglier. And I think the fan base is getting a little angsty. I think especially about, you know, Jimmy not really looking, you know, to get into the paint as much. It's a lot of turnaround jumpers. I think that there's a bit of negative spacing between he and Bam, especially if Jimmy's not on the ball. What are you seeing with what's going on there? I mean, to me, th- th- this is a very simple game. Uh, the, the idea is to earn the highest percentage shot possible. And the way we typically do that is by creating uh, some kind of urgency in the defense where they've got to send help to the ball. And now you have a man advantage as you move it, you know, get off the ball and move it. Or they don't do that because they're staying home on shooters or dunkers. And the player with the ball has a very good advantage in his situation to score. And so uh, that urgency that, th- that you have to put on the defense 
starts with the same urgency on offense, a, a real desire to create that. And when I watched the Heat, and I just was studying them the last couple of days, uh, particularly the, the terrible debacle against the Knicks, I just didn't see a lot of urgency. There's always urgency when it's five seconds on the clock and someone's got the ball 25 feet from the basket. That isn't a good urgency. And so I, I wonder if complacency is set in a little bit. You're dealing with some very veteran players and young guys who've now been in the NBA Finals before. And uh, we've seen this, guys, most recently with Trey Young and the Hawks when Trey almost kind of admitted that he's not excited about the regular season. Uh, the, the truth of the matter is, fellas, the, the world's best players and the world's best teams consistently are teams that take uh, this, the regular season to heart far more than you'd think. And uh, that doesn't mean they don't know when to let off a little bit. They do. Mm-hmm. But uh, they find real joy in the merry-go-round of just the grind of every possession. Now, Kevin Durant typically gets pretty fired up all the time. Uh, you can say that about a lot of guys. I don't know that Miami has that right now. I think that's one of the roots of their problems in terms of the dissension that we see. We've literally watched a fight yeah. or almost a fight. I think it stems from a lack of guidance or direction internally to fight better. They think they just can turn on come playoff time. And they might, but it isn't so easy. I yeah. Go ahead, Frankie. Sorry, I definitely agree with that, Coach. I, I like that you pointed out the Knicks game. I felt there was some indecisiveness in where they wanted to create the matchups and where they wanted to go to, well, what they were doing offensively. Um, and, so, and, you know, the big debate about, among the fan base is with Jimmy. And if it's, uh, you know, if the team is better suited to play that isolation post-up style that Jimmy wants to play, likes to play a lot of the time, um, or if, you know, if it's more of a free-flowing style. Because, you know, th- with all the injuries uh, that the team has suffered, they've had to play a lot of different styles, and, and there, there's a debate about which suits them best. Well, I happen to think that when Jimmy is healthy, he's, he's, a, he's very good at breaking things down and then making, getting off the ball or not and making mm-hmm. the right play. Facilitators score, you know. Draymond Green's a facilitator almost exclusively i think jimmy can do a a little both he's not a selfish player i don't know if he's healthy and and, uh i know you guys have talked to you you know emailed me about his shot and uh i don't see anything mechanically wrong with it uh i think he's been shooting three okay recently which is you know that's always new for him he's not typically a good shooter but uh i will tell you that if you know when when we when we're shooting right i i call it stacking i want my players to be stacked which is head over shoulders shoulders over torso torso over hip hip over knees knees over feet we're lined up we're stacked up that's ideally what we do and then the idea for that is to be able to jump straight up and land straight down that that's the ideal way to shoot the ball especially from three where you have a longer there's a longer ramp to miss from every inch you're off in your release is going to travel farther away think about a flashlight beaming into the space. The more you move it, the, the more of it's going to be at the end, not just at the, at the origin. And when you have an ankle that's hurt or whatever it is that's bothering them, you're, you're balanced a little bit off. And, and maybe that's what it is. I don't know. But I do think that he's the best fulcrum for you, followed by Bam and then Tyler. And Tyler might be right there with Bam, depending on who you're playing against. Um, I don't love the idea, guys, and we can talk about this from the flip side, which is your defense. I don't love the idea of hunting mismatches. I like the idea of hunting good actions and let them create the advantages that you're looking for. Uh, Steve Kerr calls it the first domino to fall. When you get that second guy shading or, or aggressively moving towards the ball, and then you play from there. Now you've got the, ro- the defense rotating, you play from there. When you're just doing it off the dribble one-on-one, I think that's pretty, pretty flawed. And it's what the defense kind of wants to do, which is why teams like to switch so much. Because now they're forcing you to get away from the fluid style of jazz. I wrote a book called Basketball is Jazz for this reason, among others. You're trying to get movement going on. And I think just playing iso base is not the way Miami can excel. 
And Kyle Lowry definitely isn't that player anymore. If he ever really was a one-on-one guy, it's not his strength. Coach, that's interesting because so they do what I call the revolving door of dribble handoffs. Sometimes when teams switch that handoff, and and I've said a bunch of times on this show, the first time I really saw it used effectively was with the Raptors in the bubble. They put OG Ananobi on BAM, and whoever, whether it was Van Vliet or, or whoever on the ball, and they would switch that front BAM and their Duncan BAM handoff suddenly got blown up in a way that, you know, was was uncommon for them. And I think that a lot of teams have kind of mimicked that. And, you know, when they play a drop team, they, they, they pretty comfortably feast on drop and they don't have to mismatch on as much. But at the end of games, you know, and I think the Buck series is a good example of this. You know, Jimmy's like, where's George Hill? Find him on a switch, put him in the blender, right? And then that changed last season when they were, Bucks were hedging and recovering, whether it was, um, it was uh, Forbes or whoever. And that didn't work so much kind of to your point. And, and to me, Jimmy's role in the offense when they're at their best is when he's screening for Lowry or, you know, whether they run stack or, or Spain or however, you know, you, you call it kind of being that down guy or where they run double drag for Tyler and he's screening on the low end for that um, or switch busting. Right. And, and specifically when when teams are going to kind of switch one through five, I think that that's where he can give them an advantage because Bam's not a post guy, right? His numbers in the post are bad and that's mostly against mismatches. That's his, his, I've always said he's more Amari than he is Al Jefferson, right? You want him to face up and, and do and that. And he's no Amari just to be No, clear. yeah, no, we, uh, I, I, you know, that's where you want him to make Amari in the face of game. That would be great. That's, that's I, my I coach. Saw, that's my dream. <laughs> yeah. I saw Amari. He's from, you know, he, he yeah. played in this area and, and, um, offensively. Yeah. He was, as good as you're going to get for a number yeah. of years. Bam's better defensively. <laughs> <laughs> but Amari offensively, I mean, he's like the gold standard of, you know, undersized centers as pure scores. <laughs> he, unbelievably gifted guy. But your point is good. One thing about Amari was so good at, he was the best I had seen to that point in my, in my career at sh- getting short roll passes from Nash on aggressive hedges and then navigating downhill in traffic from 17, 18 feet, and he could also make the shot. And we didn't shoot threes as much with our bigs back then as, as yeah. we would now. He, he would have been able to do it, I think. But he could kind of maneuver through a crowd at, you know, six foot nine or whatever and score incredibly efficiently. Bam just doesn't, yeah, no, no one, no one can do that. The yeah. Al Je- Jefferson, yeah, he was amazing back to the basket, get a Clinical. bucket kind of guy. <laughs> he was incredible too. Yeah, Bam, neither of those guys. Yeah, I mean, but uh, like to your point on the short roll, like he's great at passing on the short roll. If that corner right. man comes and stunts, you know, he'll find, you know, whether it's PJ or if they run a hammer to get Duncan there, like he'll find the guys. But it's sometimes it's frustrating because you want him to look at the basket more. And I know his field goal attempts have gone up, but, you know, you well, kinda, he needs to. Yeah, this is yeah. this is the challenge of players like him. Uh, this is, I think, the where Ricky Rubio, for example, or even Drew Holiday have have struggled to take that next step up, that next leap forward, which is um, I call balancing the we and the me. Uh, uh, when I was doing the draft, guys, uh, Evan Mobley to me was my top prospect by a coin flip over Scotty Barnes. And I, I, you may or may not know that, but I wrote about this. I did podcasts about this. They were my two favorite guys, and then Cade Cunningham was third. My, what I thought Scotty would be able to do because at Florida State, where my son, as you guys probably know, was a teammate of his, was a teammate of his, and is still there now, uh, Scotty was an incredible we guy. But that's college. And I thought he was ambitious enough to start accepting the role of, okay, I got to do more things for me, knowing that if a second guy comes, I'll get off the ball. I thought he'd be able to do it from day one. I didn't think he'd be great at it. He's better than I thought he'd be. I mean, he's amazing right now. Scotty Barnes right now is unbelievable as a two-way player. And um, he's only going to get better. But that's what Bam's got to embrace. That's what Drew Holiday had to embrace. I wrote about this in the NBA Finals last year, is Drew is so much a wee guy on offense. And, and his sons wanted to take advantage of that. And you have to balance the me part of it and then recognize the read. You have to think score. This is what I teach all of our guards. And, and I would be teaching Bam if he was a client of mine. You got to think score, then read. Because if you think read, pass, oh, the play is to score, you're going to miss too many of those shots. Yeah. Passing is easier as the second thought than finishing is. You have to have the finished thought, the scoring thought. And then if you can't get it off, 
the way you want to, the way you practice all the time, you got to get off it. But if you, if you, if you think pass, 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 and all of a sudden they take those passes away and now I got to score too late. You're just not going to score very efficiently in this league, especially yeah. against guys. So that's what Bam needs to embrace that more. I agree with you that he's got to think score more. And that I think helps unlock their offense significantly because I mean, you can play off from the right way. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Frankie, how many, I mean, Coach said it better than I've heard anybody really say it in the amount of time that we've been talking about, Bam. How, how, I mean, that's what we've been pounding the table for, right? Yeah. Like no, absolutely. for years. And, 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 you know, I think with Bam, it, it's really that case study of, of guys getting far better than, than they thought they were. Uh, like Bam, Bam came in as we all thought he was going to be a pick and roll big man. And, you know, they've sort of unlocked a little bit more every year, his passing game, his finishing. Cause a lot of people don't remember he wasn't a great finisher. He couldn't, if it wasn't a dunk, he wasn't finishing anything. And uh, and now he's on a scouting report. He's a starter. He's an all-star, all-NBA, all-defense guy. Um, and that balance of that next step of take of you know being selfish and looking for his own shot. That's where the, the ceiling of this team changes. And we we've struggled on it, just discussing it because you know I feel like personally I feel like the Heat don't do a lot of uh, job a good job uh, featuring him offensively. Like he does, he does, he has those decisions to make DHOs, but I feel like he can get some off ball screens more. He can get positions to be a scorer first and then look to it. Uh, they started running post split actions with him and, and Markeith and BJ. I feel like that's a step in the right direction. He started looking for his own shot uh, when it's, when it's there. Uh, but what, what do you think they can do better to balance that and get that out of it? There's a couple of things that I would do. Uh, you hit on one, the post split action is exactly what I think they should be doing. Um, he's, uh, you remember Brad Miller from the Kings? Yes. Yeah. So he was a, a wizard at that, at reading the game and he could shoot. Well, Bam can't shoot like Brad. Maybe one day he can, it'd be nice if he could, boy, he'd be really good if he oh, could boy. do that. <laughs> but he's a better slasher than Brad, you know, one of the slowest human beings I've ever seen, uh, on the court anyway. Um, yeah, great guy, but not, he was slow. Uh, so I think that's good. Uh, this is maybe not what you mean, but it's something I think about. Uh, I'd like to see him race and seal more. Yes. Yeah. I, I don't think that's something he thinks about at all. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. He goes you through phases where he wrong. does. There are phases he when he, he, it's like, in Spanish, we have a word like, es muy, es muy temático with that. Like, it's like, 
It's like, you know, it's like, okay, this is my theme for the week. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to yeah. sprint and seal. And then it just goes away. Yeah. But yeah, it's also I, the, the team's so slow that it's like, right. they, they don't have many opportunities to run out and him to be there. Or they right. Play. So, but, but if you watch the Raptors play, mm-hmm. uh, they <laughs> will sneak uh, Pascal and Scotty or sometimes both in early seals race. I call race and seal sprint and seal. Same thing. I use, I use those words, words a lot race yeah. and sprint. Race him up. If he's open, you know, pinning a little guy back there, great. And if he's not, then run your offense. But yeah. but you can throw the hit aheads. He's a good receiver. Uh, I I think that'd be I think that'd be a good way to utilize him. And uh, and then you know you talked about Johnny. You talked about um, the revolving uh, the revolving door of triple handoffs. But everyone does that pretty much. My, my son was running that offense in the middle school. I stole it from the NBA. <laughs> Teams were doing a little bit. We did a lot more. And I'm not arrogantly saying that his AAU middle school team was running better offense than the NBA, but <laughs> you could see the tape and you could see what we were doing. He's, you know, he's 20 now. So when he was 12, we were doing it. Um, we, we did a lot better when he was in eighth grade than sixth grade. But um, if you watch the Raptors do it, the Raptors have a little better edge to it. Yes. In other words, they're trying to go downhill faster. So it's not just side to side handoff action. It's more vertical. They run some little flips early in possessions where they get Scotty or Pascal or sometimes even Ben Vliet downhill fast, and that can get that defense to collapse and then you play off that. Uh, I, I, think, I think probably is the case. In college, we call it false motion. You know much about false motion? So basically, um, forgive me if I'm boring you guys. No, no, that, and this is great for the audience wrong. as well to, to teach. No, this is, what, this, is why, this is why you're here. So basically <laughs> – uh, teams will run, you know, the whole idea in, in offense is if you're not trying to take a shot in seven seconds or less, is to get what we call second side, third side action, right? The ball is moving side to side. We're trying to spread the defense out, but we're also trying to isolate bad defenders or, or lazy defenders and quickly beat them for a backdoor because you've run, you know, good college programs aren't running quick hitters typically against good, good defenses. You're going to get a lob or a backdoor off a timeout after four passes and three ball reversals. That's a well-coached team. Yeah. Uh, and you'll like, you know, you see in the ACC, you'll see that. Uh, it's, a, it's a good league, despite it's a bad start this year. It's <laughs> not a surprise that they have three teams in the final eight. There's great coaching in, the, in that league. Okay. Um, so I think that when you're, when you're Miami and the NBA extension in college, you're doing false motion in the sense that they're not really weaponized. They're moving the ball. They're running their pin down action, their flare screens, their, drag screens, your, your floppy action, but you're just, you're just trying to spread the defense out. Players aren't weaponized. I think it's a mistake. I like offenses that are weaponized at all times. Everyone's ready to go. And so I think, I don't know this, I wouldn't be surprised if that revolving door is really just false motion. You're slowing the game down. You're making them move a little bit defensively. You're shortening the clock and that kind of thing. And I think that are they last in pace this year? They're close to it, which is the last, I think. There you go. That's, that's probably why. And uh, I'd like to see that changed a little bit, but maybe with Kyle, they can't coach. My thing specifically with that is more of when a play breaks down. And if Bam is, you know, at the elbow and let's say they, let's say a guy fights over his screen and takes away the initial handoff. Yeah. He'll like wait for another one. Right. And then he, he, you know, he, he might have a guy and drop in front of him that he has an advantage against. And he just he'll just wait for the handoff, or they'll get a rebound, and he'll come out, and then he'll wait for a handoff. And Jimmy will do that too. So that's more of what I let's be frank. Miami doesn't have a ton of dudes who can dribble and get downhill on their own, right? Like, no, they don't. They don't. And I think a part of the the DHO offense, which started coincidentally when Olinick and when Bam got here, and when they had you know there was Dion and JJ and all these guys, it was hey, how can we get guys downhill? who can't really run a pick and roll outside of Dion, right? Because Dwayne was gone and even at, at his uh, older age was just tremendous and has his patience. So that kind of evolved into what this is now. And still like Jimmy and Kyle are, are really the only guys who can reliably, I think, run a pick and roll and break down Tyler, I guess, too. Um, but, yeah. you know, uh, but uh, that's kind of more my point. It's they, the play breaks down and they just keep waiting for one. And then, you know, y- when when you have eight on the clock, you know, th- that, that takes a long time, you know, so that, that's more my point with that. Yeah. Uh, I would ask you guys, you, you watch, do you watch football at all? Yeah. My co-host says. 
I figured you guys are Miami guys. So um, <laughs> G, G likes football. I like yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go Colombia. By the way, we're we're playing for a spot tonight in the World Cup. You know, please. Oh really? Yeah. Oh wow. Um. So I was speaking American football though. So <laughs> I, I I know that sport too. But um, your sport. But uh, I think Miami. Tell me if I'm wrong. They might lead the league in punted possessions. Oh, for sure. Yeah, which are eight seconds, seven seconds on the clock, and no one has a flipping clue what to do. Yes, yes. all the time. Especially yes. in the clutch. Yes. Just punt it. Just oh, punt it and play defense. <laughs> yeah. No, especially. Am, in am the I clutch. right? Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's get it. The ball, get the ball to somebody and get it up. That's it. Yeah. That's why we loved Kyle, coach, because early, you know, they'd walk the ball up. Even, you know, when especially when Gora moved to the bench, they'd have none or whoever walked the ball up. They weren't getting into their sets until it's like 14 on the clock. You know, Kyle had a bit more like, you know, let's go. And, and they yeah. were getting into their stuff earlier. So if a team does blow up the first trigger, you know, you, you have a couple bites at the apple. Yeah, I think that's super important. And I think that's why I like the idea of Bam getting uh, uh, sprinting seals. Um, Jimmy, too. Yeah. He may not want to do it. He may not be healthy <laughs> enough to do it. That's a different story. You have to, you have to be willing to work as a racer. He's doing a lot of work defensively, I know. But I do, I do think the problem is not defense as much as offense. And I know we're going to talk about what we talked about on my podcast the other day and, you know, hero being targeted, whatever. I, I don't think defense is the problem. I think offense is. I don't either. Let's, we're going to pivot to defense in a second. I want to ask you a bit about Duncan before we pivot because yeah. he's been the other guy. I think the two most polarizing guys this year have been Jimmy and Duncan. And I think obviously with the contract, fans get upset. I don't really get that, but whatever they do. And Duncan has not been the shooter he was the last two years, particularly the, the, the finals run. You know, he's been shooting 40% from three since All-Star break. Granted, the attempts are down, went from eight to about six. I, you know, he does get blown up by switches. I think he's very feast or famine. He does still pretty consistently kill a drop. And if you look at film of any Milwaukee game, you know, whenever Portis is in a drop, his, his eyes light up or any bad team that puts a big, you know, at the free throw line, he loves that, you know, off a handoff or whatever. Coach, I don't I don't know what to make of his season because obviously he's not playing to the level that I think we know he can, but I just yeah. think fans wanting to send him to Siberia or even slash his playing time is a little unwise because he just does so much off the ball. But the coaching staff has cut his minutes, so it's not even, you know, as much as I think that fans are fans and overreact, I mean, clearly... He does. He never closes. Even if Tyler's hurt, he like never closes unless he's having an amazing night. So I I don't know what's going on there. I mean, he's got to be an elite shooter to really be a, a plus player. Uh, I think in terms of impact, at least the uh, the metric that I like best. I just double checked it right now. He and Tyler are about the same. So in which, uh, which was EPM? Yeah, yeah. I like EPM Maybe. with dunks and threes. Uh, I don't know what it's like in other um, metrics, but um, it, it, it's nice to have a guy that that tall that can shoot like that with that kind of trigger, quick trigger. Uh, but if he's not doing that, you know, clearly he's a liability everywhere else. Uh, forgive me for saying this, guys, but I, I could care less what fans think. Oh, me too. <laughs> and I don't mean it. I, I, I love the NBA and we need fans. So I'm not suggesting we don't need them. I just don't care what they think about basketball. <laughs> because they're just fans. Now, you guys clearly spent a lot of time studying the game. I value your thoughts and would never pres- would never think for one second that I necessarily know better than you, especially on your own team. That's why it's a conversation. You guys are watching this team every night. I'm not. I'm watching probably 20 teams. There's certain teams like the Kings I, I just don't watch. <laughs> if they ever get relevant, maybe I'd watch them. You're not into Kings um, Pistons on a Tuesday, Coach? I, I'm watching the Pistons now. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm watching. I, I, I mean, I listen. I've watched Demontis Savonis play some when he got out there. I, I like Fox. <laughs> um, I think that uh, it, it, it's just fans are fans, whatever. But that doesn't mean they're wrong necessarily. They typically are, but not in this case. He's he's probably overpaid to some degree, but uh, his gravity is still there. Uh, that makes a difference, and 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 the attention he's drawing. Uh, think about this in the postseason. I've written about this in the last three years. I've been writing about a team that wins a quarter by 10 or more and doesn't lose a quarter by 10 or more, which sounds stupid, but it's like 97% probably they're going to win the game. That, that one 12 minute segment. And it's, it seems a little bit silly. Well, what does it matter? What 12 minutes? Why does that have to be a quarter? 
well, that's the only way I can really market it. Maybe I can track it. Maybe Second Spectrum can do it differently. Have any 12-minute place where you win by 10 or more and then don't have any other 12 minutes. But for us in the NBA, we go by quarters. Well, so if that's a, if that should be a goal. I, I mentor coaches all over the world, and I have them all try to do that. Try to win a big segment by as many points as you can and then defend it like crazy, the margin, the rest of the time. And you can coach for that. And that's a whole separate issue that I won't get into now. But I will say, having a guy that can shoot like that really helps create big margins. right? If you watch the NCAA tournament for 25 years, Clark Kellogg's talk about spurtability. Everyone has it if you have a shooter. Well, they got one. So I'm not so quick to just uh, pronounce him you know, dead on arrival, so to speak. Uh, he's, he's got a chance for them. Uh, again, I don't worry about his defense as much as maybe others do. Um, I think he competes. He's I think he's got a lot of pride. He works his ass off. Coach, they have a 97 defensive rating when he's on the court with Bam, Tucker, Jimmy, and Lowry. That's, I mean, you can't ask there for more. Yeah. yeah. There you go. One of the yeah. best lineups. Yeah, he, right. I was looking at that today, actually, lineup for a bunch of teams. Uh, that's, pretty val- that's pretty damn good. And so, yeah, I, I don't see him as the problem. He's just got to make shots. But that's the beauty of, of having some depth anyway is they've got a few guys that can fire him up. And, it, and, and now that we know that's what really what Duncan has to do, if he's not working, you'll try someone else. But coach, like what, you know, is it just a matter of he's just not hitting shots? Like it's just such a, it's such a disparity at times as to what, you know, I, I just don't, it's not like you, you can't try harder to hit a shot, right? It's just kind of, you know, what you do mechanically or like, is there something else that you're seeing? No, is this it's a matter? not just that. Huh? Yeah, it's, it's not just mechanics. I, I've talked to Daryl Morey about this when Daryl said, Daryl had a player of mine once, and uh, he said, okay, if you miss 10 in a row, I want to keep shooting it. And I told him, Daryl, this is not a coin. Like, there is a mental or emotional factor, and there's a physical factor. So even if the physical is right, and everything is lined up, and, and, and the mechanic is perfect, there is that mental slash emotional side that is, is not necessarily right. I, this is my business, is being able to get to a player's head. When they miss five in a row, there are, I wrote a chapter in my book about this called The Scientist versus the Artist. The scientist is panicked about every miss. What am I doing right? What am I doing wrong? When they're rolling, they're confident because they know what they're doing right. When, when, it, when the train starts coming off the tracks, they want, to, they want to fix it. The artist typically isn't worried at all, but when they can't fix it, then they worry extremely and don't know how to fix it, whereas the scientist will figure out how to fix this. Shane Batty was probably a scientist. Uh, I've coached a lot of players that were one or the other or both. I've had guys that are both. Um, I don't know Duncan. I've never met him. Uh, we have some mutual friends. I've, I've worked with some players that are buddies with him and grew up with him or played ball with him at different places. And I've never asked them about it. But it very well could be the case where what he looks like on the outside is, is, might be a calm lake, but inside it might be a raging storm as to what's going on. And that typically is what's happening when players can't really shoot the way they have before something happens inside. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Frankie, are you, are you, I don't, I don't even know where you fall. Are you worried about him? Cause like I, Alf and I have been pretty steady on, you know, he'll be fine. I, I don't know where you stand. Um, I feel, uh, I feel fine about Duncan. I was honestly surprised that they took him out of the starting lineup. I guess they wanted a spark um, and, and they wanted to just to try out some, some different lineups and stuff. But I felt like his play has been good. Like he, like Coach said, he competes defensively. 
Um, he does pick up some silly fouls, but he doesn't play the fourth quarter like you said, so it doesn't really matter. Um, and he, he's never really out of position. It's just sometimes he tries to put his – he leans forward and puts his hands on guys and get, gets some ticky-tack fouls. Um, he's not a great isolation defender, obviously, but uh, he still has the gravity. He gets the good looks, and I, I think he he o- opens enough – uh, for the offense, especially with the with the starting group, um, that you need to play him. He's not a guy that you can just play without. He, he he can win you a game or two, which wins a series. Yeah, because of just one crazy quarter. It's yeah. a fire drill whenever he comes across the screen. Still, right. It's panic city. Yeah, which is I think the most important thing. And even when he was struggling, it was still sent two of the ball. It was still guarding him. Yeah. Switch, it, you know, it, it, that had not reached the scouting report. The gravity remained the same. <laughs> yeah. Um, coach, you've talked about uh, when when you were on with, with Dufour and Nerder, which is you know one of my favorite podcasts of all time. You've told stories about kind of you know development and stuff, and and really when Duncan was on the rise, how and I've told this story on our pod before, but I want our audience to hear it from you that you were teaching people like players of yours. Hey, let's 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 do Duncan movement. This is how look at how this guy. This is still when he's on the come up, and it was so impactful that you know someone like you is like we're gonna start teaching this and we're looking at this because this is something special. Could you? I hate talk about questions, but can you talk a little bit about that? Because <laughs> it it's to me that's been one of the like silly anecdotes that stuck with me about his game and how impactful he is just to the the grander scope. Well, with some exception, uh, I've had lots of 40% plus three-point shooters in my gym. I've been very lucky. I think one summer I had four in the same summer, and that was there were like 10 guys in the world that did it in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Now it's more common. Not that it's, it's common. It's just more common. And with some exceptions, I mostly work with them on catch and shoot. So space out, drive, kick, offensive rebound, kick out, race and transition to a spot, pick and roll, relocate, post play, relocate. But that was it. Still catching and shooting. And then, of course, some off the dribble with some some better players. But Duncan was the first guy that wasn't J.J. Reddick, Kyle Korver, the drafted known entities, uh, even Patty Mills, that could could maneuver around screens, use one screen, use stagger screens, refuse the screens and get away. Uh, Obviously, Steph Curry, you know, it was the same draft. The guys that when you draft them, you knew. This where they could project to. Duncan, I thought, was the first that wasn't one of those guys. Uh, uh, Bell, remember Marco Bellinelli? He could do yep. it. Well, he, fans remember, he fans remember Marco Bellinelli. <laughs> <Yeah>. Oh, right. <laughs> so, yeah. So, um, he was a famous international player. Duncan Robinson was a you know the average guy in Michigan starting Division Three. When he started doing it, especially with that size and body type, that – I say this all the time. I, I get inspired by players. My job is to inspire them. I'm in, in page one of my book. I, I wrote, we are first in the business to inspire. I believe that, but we can be inspired also. In fact, we should be inspired. What players do, we should be learning from all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not closed off by any stretch on that. And so when I saw Duncan doing what he was doing, I don't remember when it was, might've been the bubble. Uh, I just changed and said, you know what? We're gonna we're gonna start teaching that to all of our players. So, including my son, who's now almost twenty one, and um, we started just really working on on how he created space. So he would come off a screen and then basically travel to get a shot off, but they allowed him to do it. So I've, I'm all proud to him. We do the same. He would he was he's, I mean he's taking two big steps coming off those those wide screens, those um, all the things they're doing up top for him and. He, or he's refusing and then catching and taking two big steps and shooting. And, uh, and so we started doing it with all my players that could already shoot pretty good catch and shoot. And uh, they, did, they did well. And I had them watch Duncan also. How he stacked up coming off screens as best as possible. And he doesn't slow down. I mean, it's really hard to do. I mean, they say the hardest thing to do in sports would be to hit a, a major league pitch especially a series of pitches, curveball, yeah. change up, fastball, slider. I, I think hitting a golf ball in front of a lot of people would be equally as challenging, <laughs> especially for money. But um, doing what Duncan and Curry and some of these guys do is every bit as hard. Almost nobody can do it successfully at their level. 
Forget about running, running around seven footers and super quick guys and all of that. That's a whole other dimension. They can't do it in a gym by themselves. Yeah. With the air conditioning on, they can't do it. <laughs> it's, it's really hard. So, um, yeah, I think that uh, it's a very special talent, but I think that we can teach a lot of shooters that just like Curry kind of unlocked us in a way, a, a, a range of shooting and mount of threes. Duncan has kind of done a little bit of a minor revolution and moving without the ball and, and at, at pace. Remember, that's the key thing at pace uh, from 26 feet and shooting the three successfully. I just love hearing like little things like that because it's always, I mean, it, it's the, the ways that the, the league matures and kind of evolves is always something that's, that's really interesting to me. All right, let's pivot to defense really quick and, and get you out of here, Coach. A big topic of conversation with us has been switching. I obviously switching is good, right? Switching helps, you know, kind of, you know, as you, we talked about earlier, help you manipulate matchups, all that stuff. I think late in games, Miami gives up switches a little easy, whether it be Hero or Struess or, or, I mean, not the Duncan closes, but guys like that. And in the bubble, they did a lot of with Goran and with Tyler, it was a lot of heads and recover, whether it was against LeBron, you know, finding the smallest guy on the court, whether it be Tatum or, or, or any, any like that. I'm not, I'm not so sure that they won't break that out in the playoffs, but it just, at times, it's a little concerning how easy other teams get these matchups. And, you know, sometimes, you know, Jimmy's ready or whoever is at the top is ready to kind of come and help and take the ball out of their hands. But at that point, now you're in rotation. You know, it's swing, swing, and, and Miami loves to help off shooters. That's their defensive principle, protect the rim, help off shooters. And they give up a ton of corner threes and stuff like that. Is that... Are we overreacting? Is that just a, a product of, of defense that, or, you know, should they do be a little bit better about that? Well, first of all, the Milwaukee Bucks employ the same defensive strategy and they just won the world championship. Of course. Mm-hmm. Right. So uh, I, I can tell you that I've not witnessed it to the extreme that you're talking about. So that doesn't mean I'm right. You watch the team more than I do. Uh, I think there's a healthy dose of different looks um, when I've watched them play. They, uh, they do, I, I think, and you alluded to it, uh, what they did a couple of years ago in the bubble, they, they will, uh, I don't know that I call it, they, they hard hedge sometimes. Uh, sometimes they'll kind of, I don't know if it's a flat hedge, but a mildly aggressive hedge recover. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is some switching and they sometimes do a nice job of it. Uh, I do think that they will shade towards the potential mismatch that they identify. And, and want the kick out three. And they'll run off the better shooter. Uh, I think it's a product of a long year. They've had some serious injuries, which means other guys are playing more minutes and getting worn down a little bit. We're, we're t- last two weeks of the season now, basically this week, this to this, today. Um, and uh, I think that they'll lock in on a better scouting report in the postseason. And they'll know exactly who they want to switch on, who they don't. I think now it's more of just a feel thing. And I even sometimes even wonder, I've watched a few teams today on tape, and I've wondered, uh, I, don't, I don't see any kind of pattern, which makes me think they're teaching the guys, just solve it yourself, figure it out. And so there's some peel and switches, there's some jump switches right away to prevent the, uh, the three-point shot, and, uh, and then there's a hedge recover too. They've even blitzed a couple of times, depending on where a player is. Uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they're doing some of that, I don't necessarily know that Spolster is saying it as much as players are just saying, hey, let's just figure this out. And we may get yelled at. Maybe we won't get yelled at. We're not worried about it. And, uh, but I think in the postseason, they'll, they'll lock in and have a plan. And they'll be, and they're, but they're already, what are they? Are they top five in defense right now? And it, even in the it, last. It fluctuates. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're the third they're best half court defense. I did check right, that but I think earlier. That, yeah. But even in the last two weeks, where they were four and six or last 10, I still think they're top 10 on defense. The defense actually yeah. is what, so against, against Brooklyn, I thought that was like, I was like, this is just a defensive disaster. And against, um, against the Warriors, other than that, I think they've been fine. The Warrior game was just really bad, but guys just blowing coverages left and right. And, and a lot of it was. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't think the Nets game was so bad. I thought their offense sucked. Oh, their offense was, I mean, I, th- I thought it was a little bit of both. Their offense was horrible. And, and, but I think. Yeah, I don't think it was so bad. Uh, uh, I, I don't. If you guys don't make it to the finals, which I, right now I don't project that you will, but <laughs> we? weeks away, um, think a lot of things going to happen in two weeks. We just saw Boston lose Robert Williams. That's a yeah. that's a death blow for them if he doesn't come back. Death blow. 
Uh, if Curry doesn't go back, death blow. So there's some death blows potentially out there, and uh, which I think is a Seinfeld reference, if I remember correctly. I think they were going to see death blow and, and end up seeing a different movie. <laughs> but um, uh, you, you've, got to, you've got to guard. You know, they've got to really guard. And if they don't, they're not going to go anywhere. I, I just don't think that'll be their death blow. It's going to be a lack of ability to generate points against the Celtics, the Raptors, depending on who they play. Those are the two uh, are they the two but... seed right now? They're the one seed. Of oh, Boston. they're back up there. Yeah, because right. Boston, Boston lost yesterday. Yeah. 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 So I don't even know what they want. Like, I'm not even <laughs> sure what's best for them because I don't know where Brooklyn's going to be. Yeah. I, I think they just want to avoid the Celtics and the Raptors. I mean, if I'm them, I mean, obviously Milwaukee's the best team in the conference, but I, and we, we talked about this in our group chat earlier. I don't hate the, I don't hate the Milwaukee matchup because that's the only that's the only series where Miami gets the offense that they want. I mean, in every game that they've played Milwaukee, except for that that one game without Jimmy and Bam, you know, they've they've scored easy. I mean, against a drop, they they get Tyler and Duncan and Struess yeah. and these guys, yeah. they get what they want in that game. Frankie, we talked about that. I mean, you even said it. They went into yeah. Milwaukee. Jimmy gave them nothing. Kyle wasn't there, and they lost. They were a freak inbound away from winning against Milwaukee. They put the up 117 points, I think it was, with no Kyle and Jimmy having, like, one of the worst games of the season. I think Jimmy scored, like, six points, and he wasn't, like, impactful at all, and they just blew it. And, yeah, yeah that like, I, I really like that matchup for them. Uh, what, I don't really you know, like it. I'm just, like, I'm more, no, I'm, like, I'm, like, yeah, okay with it. <laughs> to, to be clear, I was looking at lineups today, and when they go Giannis at center, they haven't done it a ton. Uh, I think it's the best rotation in the league. So they, if you just pure best in the league, George Hill, Drew, Middleton, Giannis, and Connaughton I, is plus like a million. So they did and that not a lot of minutes. in Miami. They went to Giannis at the five because Miami was just absolutely like demolishing them with hand. They were handoffing them to death. That was a, the quarter that Struis had like a million. And they, they put Giannis at center and Miami was playing PJ at five. And PJ was sealing Giannis as well as I've seen anybody seal that guy in my life. And Struess and Duncan just flying behind the handoff and they just weren't getting to the ball. And it was one of the most remarkable things I've ever seen in my life. You know, you know what that's called? What? A highway screen. <laughs> Why? You're creating, you're creating a highway. Yeah. <laughs> if you're describing what I think you're describing below the action. Yes. You're just screening your own man from helping. Nice. Yes. Highway screen. Yeah. It was incredible. Yeah. And that was with Giannis. Yeah. At, so when they were like, okay, they downsized to Giannis at center funds over. Uh, Cause I, Frankie, was that the game that Jimmy or Bam, one of them was out. Oh, it was Jimmy that was out. Oh, Jimmy and Jimmy. Bam. Jimmy. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think Jimmy's played. Uh, I think Jimmy only played them that, that one. Yeah. So, and, and they were able to just generate all sorts of offense, even against Giannis at the five. So I don't know. I'm not that I picked them. I would not pick them in a series against Milwaukee. Uh, but I, you know, <laughs> I'm but you less didn't pick them against uh, Milwaukee in the bubble either. I would. I don't. I never picked them. I'm, I'm scared <laughs> I of them. Either. What about Toronto? I feel like someone is gonna. I, I feel like someone's not gonna make it out of the series of life, coach. That those series are violent. They're that, that's a violent. Well, there are two teams coached by two dudes who are like. I would pick hey, Miami coach. against. I would pick Miami against Toronto because I do have some questions about the Raptors' offense in the half court, um, as yeah. well. But. You know, that's another series that I see going six or seven just because. Always. I mean. Any team that can switch get, one through five, I think it's an issue for Miami. Bloodbath. Yeah. Unless. It's going to be a bloodbath. Right. Unless uh, Charlotte pulls an upset and gets in the top eight. Because I think anyone will wipe them out. I think yeah, they're yeah. bad. Um, yeah. Everyone else is good. I think Chicago is yeah. a really favorable matchup for Miami as well. That, I agree. Yeah. They've just looked really comfortable. And I think that mentality of, okay, we're comfortable against these guys. And is Lonzo going to be back? Like 20 a game versus Chicago. What'd you right. say, Coach? Is Lonzo, yeah. is Lonzo going to be back? I, I don't know. Right. Yeah, so without him, I don't yeah. think they have a chance. Uh, I think Cleveland's fine. I mean, I don't think you want to play them. I think they'd beat Cleveland, too. I think they'd beat Cleveland. Cleveland hasn't been healthy. That's their problem. Yeah. Like Fully healthy Cleveland, yeah, they match up nice with, and they bother Miami, but as is, it's been tough. If Miami gets to one and Chicago can win a first round series as a four or five seed, I think for Miami, that is really, really favorable. Ideal. Yeah. yeah. And then, like I said, if, and I actually, it's funny that you mentioned Charlotte. I said today, I go, I told Frankie, I go, if they draw Charlotte, Chicago and Milwaukee or Boston, that's, um, that's like as good as you can script it. If, yeah. if you're them. Yeah. yeah. So no matter what in the final is going to be tough. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I, I mean, and, and to the point about Phoenix as well, like, you know, they went into Phoenix without their guys and they ran them out of their own gym. Part of it because, yeah. you know, you find Aiton in a drop. 
And, you know, if you play him a little bit higher, you know, Bam does a good job of slipping. And Duncan, I think one of the things we didn't talk about, he's gotten really good at that slip pass. He, when he sees that guy step up, he's gotten so good at that dump off pass. And it was open season because you get Bam in an open floor with help coming yeah. from everywhere. So, three. yeah. So, I mean, not again, I wouldn't pick him against Phoenix. Phoenix is obviously having one of the great yeah. NBA seasons right. of all time. Right. Chris Paul and yeah. he's incredible. Devin's good. But, yeah. Coach. Thank you so much for joining us, for making the time to come on our silly show. Uh, you have taught us in the audience so much. Uh, where, what, do you have anything you want to plug? Where can people find you? What, what's going on in, in Coach Thorpe land? I mean, on Twitter, I'm at Coach Thorpe. I pretty much just tweet NBA stuff. And um, Troop.com, I, I write once a week uh, covering you know something between the lines, typically. My partner, Henry Abbott is covering a much bigger world with uh, billionaires and oligarchs and NBA money and all of that. Uh, there, no one else is doing what Henry's no, doing. He's, what yeah. he's doing is incredible. It's, it's God's It's work. incredible. Yeah. And, I, and I think it's become very famous in time, like TV shows and the whole nine yards, because it's so incredible. But, but I do the basketball stuff. I'm running right now, actually, about the Grizzlies, uh, the yeah. published this week on how they're winning without Ja. Pretty amazing. 17-2, I think, or better than that incredible, even, yeah. without him. And then we do a, every Monday and Friday, we do a podcast called Bring It In, where uh, we're pretty much talking, you know, just, just like you guys are doing. I think you guys might be a little bit more uh, <laughs> an X and Owen than I do, uh, no uh, because my partner said not to do as much. But yeah, you, guys are, you guys are great. I'm happy to come on again uh, come playoff time. Coach, what's the name of your book so people can buy it? Because I'm 100% going to pick up a copy. Me too. It's called ba- Basketball is Jazz on Amazon.com. It's basketball is basketball jazz. is jazz. Stories and lessons from a basketball lifer. Yeah, I wrote it for almost five years ago now. I'm I'm picking up a nice. copy. I still have to read Chris Herring's book. Frank, have you read that one yet? Great. Have you read it? Have you read it, Coach? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he he told stories on 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 Lowe's Pod, and obviously we're we're rally yeah. people over here, so uh, have to have to pick up that as well. It's a must read. Oh, yeah. I, I'm all for basketball books, Coach. Thank you so much to the audience. Remember tomorrow. Weird off pregame show before the game against the Celtics postgame hangover time. We have our charity drive for baskets for babies. Come out strong like last time. Don't give us any subscription money. Give it all the basket for babies tomorrow. Yes. It's about healthy mothers, healthy babies. We raised, uh, you know, when we did prize, we raised almost $10,000 in a stream. You guys are capable of that much and make that much of a difference in our community and our beautiful Miami that we love so much. So come out, support. Let's get this done again. And thank you, guys. Thank you to Coach Thorpe. And stick around. 9 p.m. tonight, Siobhan's Breakdown Show, Needle to the Groove, airs right here on Twitch. So come back. 9 p.m., Siobhan has her show debut today. She's going to break down a lot of actions. The Heat's late offense. She's going to break down some Bam and Jimmy stuff. Live film review session right here on twitch.tv slash MIAHeatBeat. And if you're a pod listener, make sure to come to stream. Thank you guys so much, and we will see you later.